Welcome to the FarmD Money Podcast, where certified financial planner Derek Delaney brings financial education and observation to help pharmacists navigate their most important financial questions. Welcome in FarmD Nation to episode number 15 of the FarmD Money Podcast. Thank you all for joining me today. So PharmD Nation, it is no secret that pharmacists get paid well as they should. With the level of education and knowledge in a field that requires a tremendous amount of both, it's easy to see why the profession demands a higher income than many others. But it's also no secret that pay within the industry is changing. So what does that mean for new grads entering the industry? What does that mean for mid-career professionals who still have 25, 30 years left of their career? And what does it mean for people getting to the end of their career who are looking at retirement in the next handful of years? So in this episode, I give an outsider's opinion. And yes, I am an outsider with a lot of insider knowledge, but still considered an outsider on what I think is going on and how I think it'll affect the financial well-being of pharmacists at every stage, meaning how this pay change over the last handful of years will affect the future of the pharmacy position or the pharmacist's job position. A lot of the data I will reference in this episode will be included in the show notes for your convenience. So if you want to double check my work, feel free to find that and check it out. So with that, let's jump right in. The salary of a pharmacist has no doubt changed over the last handful of years. I don't think there's anybody who would disagree with that, specifically for new grads. The biggest and most dramatic change is for new graduates just getting out of pharmacy school and looking for their first piece of work in the pharmacy industry. Um, They're experiencing a lot smaller wages than what others before them have experienced. And the other kicker to them is they are taking on more student debt than people in the past have in order to obtain that PharmD designation. Uh, According to the University of Minnesota College of Pharmacy website, new graduate starting salary is now at about $106,000 a year. I think it's also important to note that the University of Minnesota College of Pharmacy is ranked number three among all pharmacy schools in the nation by the U.S. News and World Report. So graduates that are graduating from that program maybe are finding themselves better jobs or better opportunities because of the prestige of that pharmacy school than maybe other people in other parts of the country who are graduating from pharmacy schools that aren't as established or don't have the same type of connections as the University of Minnesota. So that 106000 starting salary mark could be a lot lower depending on where you're at and what pharmacy school you're coming from all over the country. Um, an article in May of 2021 by NerdWallet is stated as saying the average pharmacist student loan debt is $179,514. $179,514 is the average amount of student loan debt, according to this Nerd Wallet article, that a pharmacy student is taking on in order to earn the ability to go into pharmacy. And again, this is according to the American Association of Colleges of Pharmacy, so it's coming from a very relevant source. The average is based on estimates from the 2020 pharmacy school graduating class all throughout the country. So again, they're entering pharmacy, the the world of pharmacy, the the employment industry of pharmacy with lower wages, and they're taking on a lot higher student loan debt in order to get there to make the reality of becoming a pharmacist happen. 
So this trend is pushing new grad pharmacists closer and closer to having to utilize an income repayment plan when it comes to their student debt instead of what a lot of pharmacists before them probably did, which was take on a standardized 10-year repayment plan option. Rule of thumb, if your student loan debt is two times or more than your current salary, some sort of income-based repayment plan for federal student loans could become appropriate. Now, I don't think the disparity between starting salary and student loan debt, when we look at the averages, would make an income-based repayment plan probably the best option to seek out if you're a pharmacist. But if you're on the lower side of that pay scale and your student loan debt is a lot higher than what the average is right now, it's going to lead to more pharmacists needing to utilize some of these income-based repayment plans in order to get rid of their loans in the most efficient and effective way possible. What's even more interesting and worrisome in my view is that new grads, and this is according to careerexplorer.com, the bottom percentile of new grad wages in the pharmacy industry is $88,400 a year. Again, that is according to careerexplorer.com. Now, I have to believe this type of position that is paying $88,400 a year for a PharmD is a position in a retail setting of sorts. Maybe it's a floating position between stores and a more rural location in America where the cost of living is a lot less. Regardless, this type of starting salary hasn't been this low in a very, very long time, which again is concerning for new grads. Now, I can pontificate about why this is happening and with no real evidence to back it up, I want to make sure that I'm upfront about that. My thoughts are that as retail pharmacy gets more and more competitive and prescription volume focused, profit margins are going to continue to get smaller and smaller. The easiest way to decrease the pain of these tightening profit margins if you're a giant corporation like a CVS or Walgreens is to lower your overhead. The easiest way to lower overhead is by decreasing wages. It's managing the labor to produce those profits to begin with. The biggest value that a pharmacist has, in my opinion, is their unique and expert status and understanding of medications, and that is totally diminished when their primary role is not patient well-being, but instead script numbers, prescription volume, because that's how these retail stores, these big retail stores make money. And the value of what they have learned and what they have accumulated from a knowledge base while going to pharmacy school and racking up all this student loan debt is decreased, which leads to these smaller wages. I also understand that insurance companies play a big role in this as well. Um, PBMs are the bane of a lot of pharmacies' existence, so I know that goes into this formula as well. But I just think as a pharmacist's role becomes less about patient well-being and less about counseling, uh, counseling patients and more about just pure prescription numbers and pumping that out at a higher volume every single year, the value of the pharmacy position in these retail settings are going to continue to go down, which means wages are going to follow. So new grads are going to pay less and taking on more student loan debt. It may over time allow the free market to do its thing and decrease the amount of students that will become interested in the pharmacist profession. If you're looking at people graduating pharmacy school and they have $180,000 of student loan debt and they're only getting paid $100,000, it may decrease interest from prospective kids who want to pursue pharmacy as a career. And that's just natural market forces taking over. It may cause the shutdown of many of the fringe pharmacy schools in America, um, which will make the remaining pharmacist professionals more valuable 
which will increase their wages in the future. So it's basic supply and demand that could happen. Um, I know there are probably a lot of listeners out there who would probably prefer that some of these more fringe pharmacy schools shut down to decrease the supply of pharmacists to keep wages a lot higher. That's probably not a bad idea, but we'll see what happens. Regardless, if you're a new grad and you need to focus on eliminating your student debt, it would also add, I would also add that obtaining a specialty or a niche focus within the profession will enhance the wage outlook of your career. So that was new grads. What about mid-career professionals, early career professionals, uh, tenured pharmacists that have 15, 20, 30 years left ahead of them in their career that got into the industry before wages for new grads started to fall dramatically? Well, the good news is that wages in the pharmacy industry for these type of people have actually been pretty stable. And wages have actually been going in the right direction here. Believe it or not, pay for established pharmacists continue to rise. Not a lot, but they continue to rise nevertheless. It's not any sort of astronomical rate you'd find uh, pay increases in other industries like technology, but it is stable, which I think will surprise a lot of people who are newer to the industry. It's also, also interesting to note that the state you live in determines at a high level the amount of compensation you're able to make as a pharmacist. And I did not know this before I did some research. And it's not only compensation, but it's also safety and happiness of professionals and stress levels are really determined that in compensation are really determined by which state you live in. And believe it or not, according to the Drug Topics website in 2019, the best state to be a pharmacist in was Minnesota, followed by Kentucky, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Iowa rounding out the top five. Again, I will post that article in the show notes. You guys can go and check that out if you like. And then finally, and this is of little surprise, but according to a lot of these websites that track pharmacy compensation and pharmacy wages, pharmacists who have more experience and are more niche focused, for example, a nuclear pharmacist compared to a retail pharmacist, will usually find themselves in the upper quartile of pharmacist wages. So becoming more focused on a specific need in the pharmacy industry and becoming more specialized leads to higher salaries, which I don't think surprises anybody. So with these subtle and dramatic changes in pharmacy wages currently happening right now, what does this mean for the overall pharmacy industry? How is this going to affect the future of the pharmacist profession? What I can take away from this information that would allow me to make reasonable assumptions about the future of the industry is, and again, before I jump into that, I just want to make sure everybody knows I'm not a pharmacist, but I enjoy looking at the industry and I like to make predictions. So the assumptions that I'm taking away from this information leads me to believe that a few big changes are going to happen in the pharmacy industry over the next 10 years. So to round out this episode, I am going to make my predictions for some of the bigger changes I believe are going to happen in the pharmacy industry over the next decade. You guys can hold this against me 10 years from now if it doesn't become true, or you can call me an idiot for believing these things are going to happen, and I could be completely wrong. These are just my guesses on where I think the industry is going to go and some of the changes that are going to happen. And you guys can come back at me and let me know what your thoughts are by emailing me at podcast at farmdfp if you'd like. So my first prediction is I think the salary disparity between new grads and experienced pharmacists will continue to get bigger. It has always blown my mind when I first learned a long time ago 
that in some cases, new grads entering the industry compared to pharmacists who have 20 plus years of experience would only be separated by maybe twelve dollars to $15,000 in salary. As the wage disparity grows now because new grads are starting at a lower amount and mid-career pharmacists or more tenured pharmacists are seeing their pages or seeing their wages increase, it will allow pharmacists, I think, to be compensated more for the parts of their job that aren't directly related to pharmacy. Things like managing people, making strategic business decisions, or in some cases, providing input on the future of the employer's strategic way forward, specifically if you work for a smaller retail pharmacy or a community pharmacy. Prediction number two, I think pharmacist niches and specialties go way up. And I know I touched on this before, but I believe we get to the point where pharmacy schools start differentiating themselves by the type of niche or specialty pharmacy education they are able to provide. So just like Harvard is known as one of the best universities for cardiac and cardiovascular system schooling, why can't pharmacy schools end out doing the same thing? More specialty education and focus would lead to a healthy, a more healthier pharmacist wage outlook, in my opinion. And this is another great way for pharmacy schools to be able to compete. If you know you want to become a pharmacist that specializes in X, you can hopefully seek out a pharmacy school that is going to provide you with that more in-depth level of education to that specific niche. And finally, um, I think my third prediction, I think in the next 10 years will be pharmacies will find competitive advantages by offering their pharmacists to the public as proactive healthcare providers. Not primary providers like physicians, but I would say step below that. I would love to see in the industry regulation evolve to the point that it allows pharmacists to act like a physician's assistant. I would love to see pharmacists be able to, to a certain level and to certain things, diagnose, create treatment plans, and prescribe to a certain level. It would utilize their education and expertise more, which in turn would create more value in the position. More value equals more pay and higher wages, which I think everybody would enjoy. The example I like to use is you have a young child and you know for a fact they have an ear infection, but in order to get it confirmed, you have to book an appointment at the clinic to see a doctor or you have to go into a walk-in clinic and and it becomes a whole thing. They stick their thing in the the kid's ear and they go, yep, there is an ear infection. We'll write you a prescription, go to the pharmacy, pick it up, start giving it to your kids for 10 days and you're good to go. And I know there's a lot of regulation and red tape and legalities around this, but I would love to had the opportunity at some point in the future to be able to bring a kid into a pharmacy, see a pharmacist, have them be able to do the exact same thing, because I think they could do it just as well with a little bit of training, and then prescribe it and have it all in-house at one location, instead of having to go to a clinic or hospital for something not very emergency-like in that respect. So those are my big three things I think will happen as far as changes in the pharmacy industry over the next 10 years. Um, The disparity in wages will continue to grow. I think specialties in niches go way up in in the pharmacy industry and at pharmacy schools. And I think pharmacies will find competitive advantages by outsourcing their pharmacists to be more proactive healthcare providers when it comes to certain illnesses that are more easily uh, treated. 
If you're looking for more information about the podcast, myself, or FarmDFP, feel free to visit the firm's website at farmdfp.com. Also, feel free to check out and subscribe to the YouTube channel, FarmD Financial Planning, for more great insight. Email podcast at farmdfp.com with questions, topics, or ideas you'd like to hear more about. Finally, until next time, FarmD Nation, be well. The FarmD Money Podcast is not intended to be tax, legal, or investment advice. All opinions expressed on the show are for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or investment advice.